Today's episode of The Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran Cartographer. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 12. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different areas. Today we are joined by Pastor Brian Kachelmeyer, who is the pastor of Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. He regularly appears on Issues Etc., where he does a Christ in the Old Testament segment that's well worth checking out, and also he is one of the instructors at the Wittenberg Academy. Pastor Kachelmeyer, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Let's start with a little bit about your background and how you came to New Mexico. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Uh, first of all, my my family, my family heritage from my dad's side of the family is German Catholic, and so I, I I'm the oddball of the family. I'm the black sheep of the family, being a Lutheran, not a German Catholic. Uh, originally, my father was in Wisconsin. His uh, father was in Wisconsin, so my grandfather moved out here to New Mexico to work at the National Laboratory as a machinist. Uh, my grandfather was a a tool and die maker. Uh, his name was Ladeschlaus Winchelschlaus Kachelmeyer, but nobody could say that out here. So he was just known as LW or Laddie. And uh, Kachelmeyer became our family name. My uh, grandfather, Laddie, he worked at the laboratory as a machinist. My dad went to high school here in, in, in and specifically Los Alamos, where I'm at, Los Alamos, New Mexico. And my, my dad went to high school here in Los Alamos. I went to high school here in Los Alamos. My son, Luke, and my daughter, Caitlin, went to high school here in Los Alamos. And uh, my dad then moved away, joined the army, came back, and he became a machinist in Los Alamos. And my dad still lives here in Los Alamos. Um, my journey out of Los Alamos went down to Albuquerque. That's where I went to the University of New Mexico. I, I met my wife there. Uh, she wasn't my wife at the time, of course. So we were just talking about this uh, 28 years ago. We met on the day after St. Valentine's Day. So this is kind of our, our 28th anniversary for meeting, uh, shall we say. Um, but when I met her, she was a Southern Baptist. I was a German Catholic. Uh, and uh, we, we started talking. We, we started discussing things. Um, in that, uh, I began to go to a church with her in a Baptist church, and everything was great. Everything was good. Uh, I was learning. I, I wasn't into the Bible or what I believed and why. And I was told in the Baptist church, everything that they believe and teach is literally from the Bible, and it's that simple. And I said, okay, great, until the Baptist pastor came across the Lord's uh, Supper on one Sunday and said, now, of course, we don't interpret that literally. <laughs> that was a red flag for me. And uh, so I, I started to investigate more with uh, growing up in the Catholic church. Uh, I took the words, this is my body, this is my blood, to be at face value what Jesus says and say thank you and amen. Uh, that started me on the whole journey towards the Lutheran faith. Uh, we studied all kinds of churches. I changed my degree to religious studies at the University of New Mexico, and I was intrigued with church history. I ended up 
ended up being a liberal Lutheran, knee-jerk reaction to fundamentalist Baptist. Uh, but as time went on studying my book of Concord, I became a confessional Lutheran and left uh, and joined the Missouri Synod. But we left New Mexico, went to Houston, Texas, where I was the youth director or the director of parish education at Our Savior a Lutheran Church with a pastor, Larry White. And I was there for about three years, and then we went off to the seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I studied there. We went to San Francisco on Vicarage, and then we ended up back here in New Mexico, uh, of all places. Uh, we ended up back here because uh, Randy Golter was the district president at the time, and he was the Missouri Synod pastor in Albuquerque that I was conversing with about uh, becoming Missouri Synod and leaving the ELCA. And when I was at the seminary, he knew me. He wanted me back in the district, so he brought me back. He did not know I was from Los Alamos. They wanted to plant a church in Los Alamos, and they sent me back here to Los Alamos to plant a church. And I've been here 14 and a half years, almost 15 years, I guess 15 years this summer. So that goes all the way back to 2005 is when I graduated from the seminary. So we planted a church here in Los Alamos, and we've been around since 2005. Excellent. So usually at this time, I ask a little bit more about what you like about the area, the good parts and the bad parts. But I want to put that on hold for just a moment and follow up with something you just mentioned, which is planting a church in Los Alamos. What does that process look like? I'm not familiar with it. Well, the, the process is extremely difficult. Uh, you need, of course, the Holy Spirit. I, I think the problem that we have here in America is America is about this whole capital, capitalistic endeavor. All you got to do is you put together these strategies and the methodology and you get the product that you want and you can sell people on it. It's a consumer market. Um, but that's not really Christianity and that's not the gospel. What you need, of course, is you need the proclamation of the gospel, but you also need people. Uh, you, you can go to a place where nobody wants to hear. People resist the work of the Holy Spirit, reject the word of God. But you can also go to a place where God is at work, bringing people, drawing them together. And, and I, I think that when you, you look at a mission plant, you have to look behind the scenes, and this is mostly going to be hindsight. You can't really do this on the spot because in the spot, you're only seeing what's in front of you. Um, but it's God who's bringing things together, uh, bringing things together at the proper time. So at the right time, this is where these events happen. In Los Alamos, we were blessed with a, a group of people who lived here in Los Alamos, who were already Missouri Synod Lutherans. And they were confessional, liturgical Missouri Synod Lutherans, so not just a wishy-washy, anything-kind-of-goes type of Lutherans. Uh, for the most part, what they wanted is something that represented their identity as Lutherans. And they were driving down to Santa Fe, or Santa Fe, as it is said, Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is about 45 minutes away. And that's where they were attending. That's the closest Missouri Synod church. But they wanted wanted their own church here in Los Alamos. In fact, there used to be one that went under. Uh, this is a small city that does not grow. Usually in the American consumerism, we try to plant churches where you go to the suburbs, you go to the newest part of town where the new buildings are, the new houses are, the new schools, and you try to ride the wave of 
growth in population. Well, Los Alamos is the exact opposite of that. It is not a growing place. Uh, like I said, I, uh, I, I'm from Los Alamos. I went to high school here. It, the city's the same size as it was back when I was in high school, back in the 80s. I mean, it doesn't really grow. Uh, the population just changes. People come and go because it's a national laboratory, nuclear research laboratory. This is where we built the atomic bomb, the Manhattan Project. And uh, you have people who come in and then they leave. You have people here for a few years. They, they work on their, their, uh, their post-doc program and, or maybe they get on staff. Maybe they get a, possession, a position, a better position at a different laboratory and they leave and move on. Um, so the, 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 the type of place where we're planting a church is not normal. It's not typical. It is a, a small city that doesn't grow. You're looking at about 18,000 people. But what God is doing is God is working in the midst of all of this, bringing people together, Lutheran, like-minded individuals who are serious about start, starting a church. So we planted this church based on this idea that we want something different and unique to what you have in Los Alamos. In Los Alamos, they have all the churches. I mean, you've got everything. You've got one of every flavor. I mean, you even got a strong Unitarian non-Christian group here in town. Uh, you have all kinds of, of groups. You have Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, and there's a large Roman Catholic uh, community here, uh, large in the sense of the rest of the town. You're looking at about a thousand families in a, a town that's about 18,000 people. So that's a big chunk of the town are, are Roman Catholic, which is predominantly what we have here in the Southwest. So planting a church here is, is so interesting because it helps you see that God is the one who is at work. I mean, you can uh, you can plant, you can water, but God is the one who provides the growth. He's the one who does this. And he's brought people together uh, from all over here to Los Alamos, and he's brought like-minded individuals who want to be intentionally Lutheran. Now, the advantage we have here in Los Alamos is that national laboratory. And with that national laboratory, you have a high education base and you also have a high salary base. And so that means that our small congregation has individuals who are highly educated and motivated and also they're mature in their Christian faith. So it goes together with the desire to, to grow and to learn, but they also have wonderful salaries. And so they have the money. And uh, one of the things you do need when you plant a church is you need money. I mean, you, you need funding if you're gonna have a full-time pastor. So I'm a full-time pastor. Now there's other types of, of mission models where you have a pastor who's a quote unquote worker priest because he cannot have a full-time salary because he doesn't have that monetary base. We've been blessed with a monetary base here in Los Alamos with individuals who want to make sure this happens, and they put their money where their mouths are. So that's the unique thing we have here in Los Alamos. What's also wonderful and beautiful is my personality and my identity is one who wants to intentionally be Lutheran and a conservative, confessional, liturgical, historic Lutheran. I, I came out uh, from the Catholic Church, out from the Baptist Church, out from the 
the liberal Lutheran, the lazy Lutherans, and, and I intentionally wanted to be a true Lutheran. And so that's my personality. So when I come here, and that's what I want to establish, God is bringing people who have a very similar perspective, which is a, such a blessing. I mean, for such a small congregation, we have a group of people who are interested in learning Lutheran doctrine. They want to know what's in the, the Lutheran confessions. They, they want to be true to the historic Lutheran faith and to the liturgy. And uh, this is the, the kind of group that I'm working with here. But it's difficult. The church grows in the same way that the city grows. Uh, the city in Los Alamos brings in new people because there's a job at the laboratory, and then you have people leave. We bring in new people into the church, and then we have people leave. I mean, it, it kind of directly mirrors what we see in our culture here and in our society. Uh, one of the other blessings that we have is the, the president of our congregation, He's an analytical numbers kind of guy, and he does the number crunching, and he says, look, we're in a small town uh, that doesn't grow. Look, we're in New Mexico that doesn't have a lot of Lutherans. We should not expect these exponential, extravagant church explosions of, uh, of multiple members of a 2,000-member congregation. We don't even have such a thing in the state of New Mexico, so we shouldn't expect it. And that's such a blessing to not have that extra pressure and strength stress of you've got to be bigger, 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 bigger. And if you're not bigger, you're not doing things right. And a lot of times in our American culture, with that consumerism, we have the idea that the more things that you sell, the more products that you provide, and the more consumers you have, the, the better you are. Uh, the, the bigger you are, the more money you bring in. Because remember, money. Uh, money is an issue. So the idea of bringing in more people is directly tied into bringing in more money. Yeah, you bring in more people, you bring in more money, and you bring in more money, and guess what the American model is? Well, then the pastor should get a bigger and bigger salary, and then that salary shows he's successful. It's, it's all about the money. It's a, an interesting thing. But we are self-sufficient. We're a congregation that did, we did not receive a penny from the district, Rocky Mountain District, to start a mission. Uh, our wow. mission is financed by the members. OK, mm -hmm. so the members did a kind of a pledge drive to say, can we do this? OK, intellectual, analytical thinking. Do we have the money to call a full time pastor from the seminary? And do we have the money to make this thing a go? They determined that they have the money to make it a go. So they called me directly out of the seminary, right off the out of the gates. I had a full time salary. And they set money here. We now have a, a we they had bought property. We have a building now, and they determine if we put our money together, we can make this happen. And so it's been happening for almost 15 years now uh, since I've been here. I mean, technically, we didn't become a congregation until 2008. Uh, we were still kind of a. Uh, from the, the, the mother congregation in Santa Fe, we were still connected there. Technically, that was my first call, was to be the associate pastor in uh, Emanuel Lutheran Church, Santa Fe, New Mexico. So this is technically my second call as the, the original first pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Um, but this whole process, it's tough. It's really tough because in this mission-minded, you have to be growing. And whenever you tell somebody we're planting a mission, the very first question is, are you growing? <laughs> That's always the first question. They always want to know if you're growing. Nobody wants to know, are you teaching the pure 
doctrine? Are you giving the people the gospel? Are you uh, giving the sacraments, the, the holy sacraments to the people or not? Nobody wants to know that. They just want to know, do you have more bodies in the seats? Uh, they, they're more concerned about uh, giving units than they are about uh, souls and spiritually feeding them. Yeah, I guess a lot of people just assume that the good word and sacrament and teaching ministry, oh, that's that's easy. That's do that's already done. You know, what what's the what's the cool thing, the the growth numbers, which is really a pity because as you say, like that is that is not the most important part. The most important part is the word and sacrament. And what's interesting in, in the growth numbers that we've seen, so we bring people in. Uh, we bring people in. Uh, we've had individuals who were never baptized, and I'm talking adults. I'm not talking infants. Uh, I'm talking adults. Uh, we've had adults that have never been baptized that I've baptized. We've had those who did not grow up Lutheran intentionally now say, wow, now I know what this is about, this doctrine and this practice, and I want to be Lutheran. So we had adult converts. Um, when we, we do that, here, here's what I'm going to uh, share with you, that the, the, the key is, Every time we bring in uh, an adult convert or uh, baptize an adult, it's because of a significant other, in particular, a spouse. It's a spouse who grew up Lutheran, and that spouse says, this is important to me to identify as Lutheran, to, to know about Jesus, uh, the salvation found in him, justification by faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone. And that's important to me. So you, you get the spouse who says, come to this Lutheran church and learn about what it means to be Lutheran, because that's going to be the foundation of a great marriage is when you're on the same page, literally not necessarily page five or 15, but I mean, you're literally on the same page and you're doctrinally, spiritually well in the house. And so I'll tell you, that's where we've seen the adult converts. All right. Uh, right now, I'm working with an individual who is dating a, a gal. So this individual is Lutheran, grew up Lutheran all his life. He's dating a gal that did not grow up Christian at all, had has no background in Christianity at all. But now he brings her to the church. She's attending the church. She's been attending. We've been going through adult catechesis, going through the catechism, and she's learning and growing, and she wants to know more. She wants to be fed with this, this uh, gospel, the, the the, the good news that she's never heard before. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit more about Los Alamos as a place. So you've already told our listeners quite a bit about where it is in terms of that you have the National Laboratory, that it doesn't, in terms of population numbers, that it doesn't grow much. It kind of stays the same, but people come and go. Tell us a little bit more in terms of what you really like about Los Alamos. What are the good things about being there? Well, what's amazing about Los Alamos is it is a small city that is unlike any other small city in the world. There's no other small city like this. And uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, you have people literally from all over the country that come here to Los Alamos. And you have people also, even from all over the world, 
who come here to Los Alamos. I mean, you can go to the grocery store and walk down one aisle and hear people conversing in English. The next aisle, they're conversing in Chinese. The next aisle, they're conversing in Russian. And yes, I did say Russian and Chinese. Uh, That's an interesting thing with the National Nuclear Research Laboratory. But yes, they're conversing uh, (laughs) Korean or uh, Spanish or uh, you have different different people from all over the world uh, that come here to Los Alamos. So it's a very interesting uh, scenario. Also, this is a highly educated community. Uh, It's one of the the highest per capita PhDs in the country. You have intellects coming here to Los Alamos. And and so what that does is it it makes the whole culture uh, different. Okay, the culture is one that is an academic culture. Likewise, our congregation then reflects this academic, intellectual, intuitive, I want to grow and know more. So that that changes kind of the dynamics even of the congregation who wants to to learn the doctrine of, of the, the, the Lutheran faith. Um, as a small city, that it has the the high intellectual. It also has the high salaries. Um, this this flows over into the school system, the public school system here. That the public school system is one that wants to be better than the whole rest of the state of New Mexico. I mean, if you look at public schools uh, education across the country, New Mexico is like way down at the bottom. I think we might have beat Mississippi or something like that. I don't know, but we're way down at the bottom. We're like ranked number forty nine, forty eight, something like that. But Los Alamos, Los Alamos High School is constantly uh, ranked in the the heights of all the high schools across the country, because what, what that means is the parents who are here care about an education. So that's going to change the whole uh, community itself. But with that change in the parents driven to make sure that their kids have an education, there's also going to be the extra factors of kind of stress, stress upon the kids. So yeah. th- this is this is a unique uh, setting. The other thing that's very unique is it's almost it's almost like a government military base. I mean, it's not a military base anymore. It hasn't been for quite some time, but it, it has that kind of safe community type of a feel to it so that when people move here it's so strange to them they they feel like they've gone back to the leave it to beaver age or something like that it just you know you're here and uh, you don't have high crime rates i mean the murder rates are extremely low the police officers are of course busy busting the jaywalkers and you know i mean these small little infractions that that's the concern in this kind of a community so it's a very safe community insofar as not as much crime. Um, and what that did then does is it's, it's a great community to raise children. Now, as a kid, when I grew up here, all the kids say, I can't wait to leave. You know, <laughs> you want to go somewhere else. You want to see the world. But then as an adult, you say, hey, this is a good place to, to raise my kids. It's a safe place uh, for the kids. Excellent. I mean, in our street, you know, on our street, we live on a cul-de-sac. And so the kids can just play outside the cul-de-sac with the neighbor kids. You know, we've lived in other communities. We've lived in Houston. We've lived in uh, San Francisco. We've lived in Fort Wayne. And sometimes, you know, you you don't necessarily want your kids playing out in the street, right? In some of these other cities. So it's a, it's a quieter uh, type of a place. It's off the beaten trail. So it's a small city, but it's not one of these small cities that's off of an interstate that has a lot of industry because you have the tourists who are coming through. 
we are, are more of an off the path because of that whole Manhattan project. They wanted something that was secret. It was originally a scout ranch, not Boy Scouts of America, but a different scouting group. They had their own scout lodge here where it was kind of like a um, – like a private school for boys, a boarding school. So these boys would come out here, and that's how Oppenheimer knew of this place. Um, but what happens is that this is a place that's off the beaten path, and you have the mountains here. Uh, this is New Mexico, yes, but it's in the mountains. I mean, we're at about, not quite, but we're over 7,000 feet, near 8,000 feet in elevation. So we do get snow. Uh, you don't have to have air conditioning. We don't have air conditioning on on our house. We don't need it in the summer. I mean, maybe our highs might be uh, 90, 95, somewhere uh, low 90s might be highs in the summer. Uh, so it, it is the desert, but it's a high desert. And it, it's a different kind of unique place. Um, a, a lot of activities for the kids, uh, a lot of activities uh, with arts. Um, my kids have done uh, ballet, dancing. They've also done uh, drama type stuff. They have uh, lots of kids kind of plays where they do these uh, these special Disney Junior uh, reduplication of, of uh, whatever movies or whatever. They do a lot of that. My kids have been in that and enjoyed that. Um, they have the sporting activities. Now, they have a ski hill right here. I'm not a skier. Uh, I don't ski. It's too expensive for me. I, and I don't want to get hurt. I'm too old. You know, I, I, <laughs> you break a bone and it might take longer to, to fix. But um, there's skiing here. There's backpacking here. Uh, there's uh, all kinds of outdoor type stuff. We have Bandelier National Monument here that's a destination for people who come all over. And in fact, we've had pastors who come to Los Alamos, not because it's on the interstate, but they want to go to Bandelier. We just had Pastor Benjamin Ball come here uh, just this last weekend. Benjamin Ball is the sixth vice president of the Missouri Senate. His family wanted to come up and uh, see Bandelier. <laughs> they wanted to go. Christian Tease has been here, pastor, uh, to go see Bandelier. We've had uh, David Vandercook come up here. He was up camping in the mountains. Brian Thorson, a Missouri Senate pastor, was out here to go to Bandelier. We went to Bandelier. Uh, so you have that kind of a, a really neat environment, uh, safe, friendly, a small town kind of atmosphere, but a different type of small town. I see. So let's talk about the flip side of this. So there's definitely some great things about Los Alamos. What should people be aware of if they're thinking of moving there in terms of the not so great things? Well, like I was saying, with the high education, uh, what that means is there's a high pressure on kids here. So these ah. kids are going to the school and you'll have kids who are told by their parents, this is what you will be. You will be a medical physician. Uh, you will be a physicist or whatever it may be, but they've got a path set out for their children. And so there's a, a really a high stress in the academic kind of challenging. They want these kids to be academically elite, to go off to the good schools. And, and so there's that emphasis on academia, intellectual knowledge, not spiritual growth, not wisdom. I mean, so you don't mm. have that. Um, okay. 
what you with a lot of PhDs also comes a a, a typical uh, setting in which you have a lot of liberal political mind thinking. Um, because what happens yeah, with right that, out of the uh, university, right out of the university, because the idea with the PhD is you say, I know better than everybody else. And I know better than the uneducated citizen. So I'm uh, going to tell the uneducated system how the government's supposed to run their lives because they're not smart enough to know. So uh, you're going to have planners. that kind of environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to have that, uh, type of an environment here. Um, okay. one of the. Being off the beaten path, what happens here, too, is we don't have a lot of retail and commercial industry. Um, thanks to the Internet, of course, now you can buy everything on Amazon and you've got the FedEx truck and the UPS truck running all day long, delivering packages all over town. So we, we've seen since I was a kid. Uh, back in the 80s, back in the 80s, we had a lot of commercial industry here, a lot of retail. Uh, we had, uh, let's see here, there was one, two, uh, three, four, five different grocery stores. You know, we had all kinds of different grocery stores here. But now we kind of have just one Kroger's chain store that kind of runs the monopoly here. So now you've got that. Uh, but as a kid, there was more variety. Uh, there were more fast food restaurants as a kid uh, that have kind of closed, too. And so we, we just right now, this last month, uh, one of the, the staple department stores, it was a locally owned department store that has been here for about 40 years is now closing the doors. You know, oh. they can't compete with the Internet and buying all this stuff online. And what you've seen here um, is a, a spiral, a downward spiral of people going off the hill. I say it's off the hill because of our high elevation and going down to Santa Fe, Santa Fe or down to Albuquerque uh, to go to the bigger city with the, you know, that's got all of the uh, the chains, all of the uh, the targets, the Walmarts, you know, all the big stores, the big box stores and all the variety, the shopping malls. So you see a lot of the, the people going downtown. Uh, I mean, I'm passed down, down the hill, I should say, I'm sorry, down the hill to go to these places. And that's just a downward spiral. And it makes it very difficult for a ma and pa type place in a small city. I mean, usually in a small city, you've got these ma and pa restaurants or these ma and pa little uh, general stores or whatever it is. And so that's challenging for this community, too. I see. So as we start to wind down the podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to just take one or two minutes and tell our listeners if they're vacationing in Los Alamos, what sort of like one or two restaurants or one or two attractions that you would recommend that people who are there definitely check out. Well, what happens when people go to New Mexico, number one, they want to go to Santa Fe. I mean, it's just Santa Fe is this destination, all right? Or Taos. Taos and Santa Fe are near Los Alamos. That's because you can go to the, like in Taos, you go to the old Pueblo and you can see the Native American art. You can see the jewelry, that type of stuff. Um, so people want to go to Santa Fe. They want to go to Albuquerque. Albuquerque is where the big balloon fiesta is. I mean, all of that is within one to two hours travel time. Here in Los Alamos, itself, people will come up here for a couple of reasons. Number one, because of the history of the Manhattan Project in the atomic bomb, the research, there are people who are interested in this. So we do have a Bradbury Science Museum that's free, that you can learn more about the history and the development of the atomic bomb, what was going on in that time 
period, uh, what that means for us now and into the future if you're into the nuclear research. So we have people who come up for that reason in particular. I mean, there's skiing for people who ski. Uh, there's uh, you can go up into the mountains. We're right at the base of the mountains. In fact, we're really on the base of a volcano. The uh, the Valles Caldera is one of the biggest volcanoes. I mean, it's not active, but we're kind of on the lip of this old volcano. The, the mouth of this volcano is about 14 miles wide. I mean, so it's huge. Whoa. You can see it. At, if you Google map Los Alamos and you look at New Mexico, you can see that big circle crater where that volcano was active at some point in time. Uh, people like to go to that Bandelier National Monument because there's cliff dwelling, uh, which is, I, I think it, it's interesting that here in Los Alamos, back in the 1500s, I mean, we're talking about the Lutheran faith. Martin Luther's over in Wittenberg in Germany. He's nailing the 95 Theses, 1517. Well, at 1517, there are people who live here in Los Alamos. <laughs> wow. They don't know the gospel. You know, they don't have the gospel. They're cliff dwellers. And so you can still see on the sides of these cliffs in Bandelier where they kind of cut into the cliff where there was a cave. And then they built on the outside of it with adobe bricks. And so you, uh -huh. you have that kind of uh, these ladders that go up to these big, tall uh, uh, caves and stuff. So you have that here, these ruins, uh, which is kind of intriguing. But I mean, just to think in the 1500s, there were people living here uh, who knew nothing of this uh, this whole fight over justification. So if you're into history, you got uh, ancient history there. And of course, you have the, the more modern history with the atomic bomb in the, the research here. I see. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. If you're listening to this podcast on the go, you know the power of having audio in your ears. And Audible wants to put the great books that you would like to listen to there as well with their free 30-day trial of their service that comes with a free audiobook. So if you're looking for a book to check out, to try it out, I would recommend Martin Luther's Table Talk, Seven Hours of the Wit and Wisdom of Martin Luther. But if you're not interested in Table Talk, they have a wide variety to choose from beyond Table Talk. So check it out at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran Cartographer. Let's get back to the show. As we start closing out the podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to promote and talk about anything that you would like to. Where can our, where would you like to direct our listeners, either to places to follow you online or your work or your church's website? What would you like to plug? Well, what I'd like to plug is that here in Los Alamos, we're small. The, the city's small. The church is small. But what we have is the advantage of the Internet. The Internet is such a blessing. And on the Internet itself, I, I've done podcasts like we're doing right here. Uh, I've been a frequent guest on issues, etc., talking about Christ in the Old Testament. I do a regular podcast uh, weekly, uh, Redeemer Theological Academy. And, and I, I do a lot of lectures, 30-minute lectures on uh theology. Uh, typically, they're going to be on the Old Testament, Christ in the Old Testament, or the doctrine of the Trinity. I have put together quite a few uh, podcast lectures on that. Um, those those podcasts are there. Uh, we, we've gone through uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. We've gone through the book of Isaiah. 
I mean, there must be like hundreds of hours of lectures going through the entire book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters. So I would say uh, go there. Uh, we're also starting to put up some video uh, of Redeemer Theological Academy channel on the YouTube, which, which is going to do more Hebrew. I, I teach Hebrew for Wittenberg Academy. I also teach Old Testament for Wittenberg Academy. And so I'm going to start putting up some of those videos that I, I've been using with Wittenberg Academy to teach the Old Testament and, of course, the Hebrew courses themselves. So we're using the internet in that venue, in that way, to uh, reach people from all over the world. This is one of the interesting things about Los Alamos. I'll have people who will come here to Los Alamos. They're visiting a family member or a friend, but they show up to our church on Sunday morning because they've, they've heard me on the internet. They, they've heard some of these podcasts. They're familiar with uh, what we've been doing on the Internet. We reaches around the world. Uh, like, for instance, uh, I was saying that there are people from all over the world. At one point in time, there was a fellow from Poland. And I had a conversation with this guy from Poland, and he never heard of a Lutheran before. He didn't know what a Lutheran was. So I'm telling him about the Lutheran faith. We were having the lectures here in, in uh, at the church site on the Trinity. And then he went back to Poland and was listening to my podcast uh, so that he could uh, work on his English and learn more about this Lutheran theology. <laughs> so that, that was great. But, I mean, we, we can do that amazing things with the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And in fact, that's how I, I heard of you is through issues when you were plugging Los Alamos as like a, an opportunity where there's these opportunities at the National Laboratory. So as we close out the podcast, I want to hear your closing thoughts for our listeners, either in general or perhaps if you'd like to directly address somebody who's thinking about moving, whether to Los Alamos or to somewhere else. Well, I think what we're trying to do here is, is we're planting this church. We've been here for almost 15 years now, and it's the same case everywhere, that when people move, when they go somewhere, you're, you're going somewhere for an education. Think about your soul, your spiritual well-being. If you're going for someplace because of a job, job opportunity, career, vocationally, well, think about your soul. I mean, if your vocation and your, your aptitude, your skills are in uh, – physics, uh, biology, the sciences, uh, those types of things are here in Los Alamos. So you say, is Los Alamos a place for me? You say, well, good. There's a confessional liturgical Lutheran church there. That's good for my soul. And my job is good for my body and my family. So when you, you think about uh, where you're going, if it's Los Alamos or anywhere, think about, is there a church to spiritually feed myself and anybody in my household that I am uh, to be overseeing and watching over their souls and their well-beings. That's an excellent way to think about it. Thank you so much for your time today, Pastor Katchelmeyer. God's peace. Oh, it's, it was great to be here, Nicholas. Great to, to meet you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, including links to Redeemer Theological Academy and Pastor Katchelmeyer's appearances on issues, etc., again, really encourage you to check that out. Go to the show notes page, which you can find at lutherancartographer.com slash 12. Again, I encourage you to check out that Audible offer. If it, you would like to try out that service and get that free audiobook, that's at audibletrial.com slash lutherancartographer. And also, too, I ask that you would take a moment to rate and review the show on iTunes. It's very helpful so that more people can see the show, as well as make sure that you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm Nicholas Weber. I'll talk to you soon.